Welcome back. This is the Red Ivy Podcast. I am Michael Goodhart, and this is probably the greatest week in history, and I'm glad I'm here to share it with you and these two gentlemen here. First off, former roommate of mine, Mr. James Michael Pink. Jimmy, how are you? I am doing wonderful. Welcome, everyone, to the Red Ivy Podcast. You're on that come down. Are you still floating? Are you still floating? I'm still floating. I'm still floating. I think probably. Oh, yeah, you're. You're out in California, I forgot, right. Uh, and we got also, I think you heard him laughing a minute ago there, this is the producer, orchestrator of this fine podcast, Mr. Mark Davis. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're all here. I think we're all waiting for this moment so we could actually get together and talk about this because other than group texting, uh, the night of... And not the not the HBO series, but the the night of the game seven. Yeah, we haven't really had a chance to talk, so this would be cool. Yeah, let's get in it. Let's right get in it. On. So, have we reached the acceptance stage? And now, finally, we don't have to reach the acceptance stage of being the fifth stage of grief, but just the second stage of joy. Have, uh, <laughs> have we? All accepted this because I, I I didn't really accept this as reality until I saw these Anthony Rizzo and Fowler and Ross on Saturday Night Live last night. <laughs> and I was like, once you see like separate things, separate people acknowledging this and saying, saying, oh yeah, they are actually the champions. Dude, this is this was monumental to say the least. And you know, as everybody knows, I'm a White Sox fan, four and foremost, but. You know, as a Chicago boy, I'm just glad it happened and just the way that it happened and just the way that it affected so many people, um, primarily you two. You know, that's that's where I found my joy. That's what made me happy. It was a good series. I mean, the entire playoffs were good. So it was just good baseball for me. And I'm happy that you guys are happy. But I, I, I can't wait to hear, like you guys are side of it because you guys were killing me on those texts, man. I, it was so many ups oh, and downs. It was insane. Yeah. I, I was prepared for something to go wrong there because I've seen it so many times before. So I, I know that you get over that. I didn't know how I was going to deal with them winning. I guess I think that's what made me the most nervous before game seven. I don't know about you, Jimmy, but it was not that they might lose it, but that they might win it. And I was going to see that happen. Yeah. How does that feel? Just knowing that that's an actual possibility. And it's like, it's something that you guys have been waiting for for so long. It's almost like you don't even know how to react to it or how to, how you're going to feel when it does happen. Is that what you kind of say? Mike? Yeah. Almost like, uh, you know, the morning before you do some big, challenging thing like a presentation or you're in a play or you know you have a race that day or something it's not i think the nerves are always in that event like man this is this is real now like this is actually because yeah you know it's game seven that someone's going to win the world series and someone's going to lose the world series right and that's that's the moment where i'm just like yeah i mean they might lose the world series but they're gonna they might win the world series and it's just like it's a combination of butterflies and just like 
pure joy waiting to explode. Just kind of like, I want to release this energy, but it's not time yet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I got super nervous there at the end. And what came to mind was one thing that Mike had said back in 2003, that, uh, that 2003 was the year that the Cubs were supposed to win it all. That was the 100-year uh, anniversary of the World Series. Um, it would have been perfect for them to go and face, um, I believe it would have been the uh, the Yankees in, in the World Series. The, the Red Sox won it, I believe. They broke the curse the next year. And that suddenly came to mind after that three-run home run by Rajay Davis, or that two-run home run, rather, by Rajay Davis tied it up off of Chapman. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, God. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> I start, start point again. And, and I had been counting outs a few minutes before then, you know, silently to myself and thinking to myself, Jim, don't count outs. Don't count outs. That's bad luck. That's bad luck. You're going to jinx them. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's crazy. So, so, yeah. So, go ahead. No, nah, go for it, Mikey. So... I was thinking, as I'm watching, trying to process the the events. I listened to the rally on my uh, on my iPhone, walking home from the train that day. I didn't want to get anywhere near the crowds because I saw the morning commute. It was pretty insane uh, on the trains, and I I saw the video footage of the crowds downtown, and I was like, you know, I could go down there. I'm not going to get anywhere close at this point. And I'm just going to be in a sea of 5 million people. So what I'm just going to do is I'm going to have a nice personal day where I get to enjoy this as it affects me and not be among a sea of humanity that, you know what I mean? Just I kind of wanted to reflect on the moment and let it sink in. So I walked home from the train with this, the sound of the rally on my headphones. And I have to say it was, that was a pretty neat way to enjoy it because I was walking through a beautiful fall colored streets, with leaves sort of falling everywhere. And this and i'm like i'm thinking it's the first of all it's the first week of november and it was like 70 degrees in chicago which is insane but it's just like you know it's like a perfect day it's like oh they pushed it to november here let me give you a 70 degree day with sunny uh, skies yeah uh, and i was walking through these leaves and just like man this is so perfect it's just absolutely great and i started hearing afterwards i was raking some leaves in the yard listening to the after show i think it was on the score they were downtown by the millennium grill And they were talking and they were, you know, these sort of people calling or emailing about, um, well, this thing of it is now that they've, you know, they've lost their luster. They're just another team. And now look at all these bandwagon fans. Look, it's a cool thing now to be a Cubs fan. And I was thinking to myself, that's kind of a good thing because your whole purpose in trying to build a winning team is this is a business. Uh, You're trying to increase the bottom line. And I personally, I don't care if you became a fan yesterday or if you've been a fan for 50 years or what it is, you like my team. We're all, we're all now part of the same group of fans. Uh, I don't care what level fan you are. The people from that have been fans for 50 years, you don't get a medal. There's nothing, there's no prize for being the longest cub fan in, in America. You just, a fan, yeah. you know, that how long you've been a fan is your personal thing. That's up to you. And, and, you know, that's, that's nothing to do with anybody else. So I, I have no problem. Look, you can already see the huge 
uptick in merchandising sales for the Cubs. Jimmy was talking to me earlier about you seeing more stuff down uh, your way in California now. You're going to see it everywhere. I guarantee you they just doubled their their merchandising oh, revenue oh, by winning sure. the World Series. For sure. That's crazy, dude. I mean, that's what you want, though, right? I mean, that's what you... Oh, absolutely. It, this is what he was hired to do. He was hired to win the World Series, and along the way, the other stuff comes with it, and the owners know this. So Theo Epstein is... Well, Tom Ricketts, Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, the whole the whole crew over there, uh, they have the best business minds I've ever seen around the Cubs. Oh, definitely Period. around the Cubs. Scouting, everything, top to bottom. This is that's your A team right there. If you don't get that team, this doesn't happen. Yeah, you can have those same kids, different manager, different owner. Your core is not going to do anything until they figure out. They basically. When you watch, go go back and look at the Cubs season highlights, and when it gets to the part where they're introducing the All Star lineups, oh yeah, and every starting infielder is a Cub, that's when you know that your scouting department and you look at them and they're all they're all your guys. That's not it's, you didn't buy. Oh, I think Zobrist. Zobrist was uh, the free agent, but now you could you could basically sub in Baez for Zobrist, and really would be no different. Uh, but yeah, it was just. That that's an insane level of talent, but they had to fill out the other stuff too. And part of it is them finding those guys or trading for those guys or whatever. But yeah, it's just like they they built a product for this reason. It's now being it's now become what we all wanted it to be, a a, a winning brand, and thus it was already popular. Now it's even more popular. Like yay, good. I yeah. want more Cubs shirts or Cubs caps or whatever. If there's an increased chance of me running into some Cubs merchandise, beautiful. Do it. If the Cubs can challenge the Yankees as the most hated team because of their popularity, that'll be fine with me. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't understand why more people don't hate the Cardinals. Right, I, I really feel like they're they're quite hateable and most people are missing out. Exactly. Well, that's one of the things too. It's like you look at this these characters or these players on this team. They're all like likable, you know. I mean, and that's part of the brand too. It's like, you know, for the most part, they're all young, they're all likable in their own right, you know. So that's only going to help too. I think that's kind of why people hate the Yankees is because most of their players are like bought, whereas it seems that most of the Cubs players have come up through the system. And you know, it kind of kind of gives you faith in, in baseball again to a certain extent. If the if you want a level that charge against this Cubs team, consider that their highest paid uh fielder sat for a number of games uh, in the World Series. And that's uh Hayward? Hayward, yeah. It's crazy. Well let's get back to like Mike, you were talking about just, you know, the way that you experienced uh, that day and walking through the fall leaves and stuff like that. So that brings me to the point of, I mean, it's November. What did, what did, what did that feel like? I mean, I know that was something that just popped in your head at random times, too, as something that to deal with is your, your team's actually playing in, in November. How did, how did that feel, Jim? What was, what, what, how did that make you feel on a, when you thought about that moment? Just you know, in play in terms of playoff baseball in November, playing that late or yeah. actually 
Yeah, so just the the Cubs playing in in the month of November. Normally in the month of November, I mean, you're you might be tuning in to watch the World Series or playoff baseball, yep. but you have nothing invested. But how did how did it feel knowing it was November? Like Mike was able to relate it to the fall and stuff like that. What was it like for you? For me, it was I was just I was so proud. I mean, I I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was able to, you know, it was actually a nice kind of crisp day out here. So, you know, I just, I tried to let it sink in that day and, you know, it's still sinking in. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm so incredibly awestruck by, by how it all played out. I mean, yeah, it honestly, from start to finish, you couldn't have asked for a better Cubs baseball season. I mean, it was freaking storybook from start to finish. For, you know, from Fowler coming in at the last minute, you know, looked like he's signing with the Orioles, and all of a sudden there he is. You know, Schwarber gets hurt. You think he's gone. He comes back. I mean, guy hits 412 in the World Series, ignites the rally in the bottom of the – or pardon me, in the top of the 10th that ends up winning the World Series for the Cubs. I mean, the whole thing is just freaking storybook, the way that team played together and did together, and then how it almost came all, you know, almost came all unraveling apart there at the end. It was just, oh, (laughs) still kind of sinking in, still kind of sinking in. Yeah, there definitely was some nail biters (laughs) in in both, like all three series, actually. Yeah. I got to the point there at the end, and I don't know about Mike or you, but, you know, and I said this to my buddy Josh, who was over that night for the last game. Um, you know, that I wouldn't expect, you know, any weird things started happening in that game seven. And I, I, I just told Josh, I'm like, you know what, it's just, it's just how it's meant to be. You know, I wouldn't expect it any other way. I mean, the game just kept getting, you know, more tense and more, more drama kept building and, and the way it was going. And then finally they had the, they had the freaking, uh, the rain delay. I looked at my buddy and I'm like, no, yeah, of course. What, why else wouldn't you have a rain delay? <laughs> I mean, this game, this game had everything else. I mean, that honestly was, I think that's probably the best baseball game that I've ever seen. I mean, it, it just, it had so much drama. It had so much riding on it. The, the, the intensity of it. Uh, it was, it was incredible. man. I, I still almost can't believe it. I could, I can see that. I could hear the smile on your face. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's weird, you know, because it, honestly, it sunk in for me last night after I saw, uh, you know, the boys singing uh, Go Cubs Go on uh, the weekend update. That's when it sunk in for me as well. And last night I was walking around here in my underwear and my Cubs World Champions, World Series Champions hat on, you know, middle of the night, smoking cigarettes, drinking rum, you know, <laughs> raising my arms in the air. <laughs> I was, it was, it was, it was so odd. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not come, trying, I'm not trying to get uh, that mental picture right now. Yeah. Not going to do it. <laughs> but like the fact that they won and I mean, it, this is not like your normal team winning the world series. It was insane. I mean, Mike, could you, like, when they won, did you stick your head out the window and did you hear a collective roar just in the neighborhood? Or, I mean, because I remember when when the Sox won in 2005, it's kind of, it was kind of that way. It's like everybody ran outside, started doing crazy stuff. What was it like in your neighborhood? 
in my neighborhood, it's like a quiet Republican neighborhood. So there wasn't it's not a lot of stuff going on. But I did hear loud fireworks a couple of minutes after uh, the, the final out. Crazy. So there was there was some stuff going on here, but it would I'm quite sure it was insane in the city where we used to live. The night before, not it wasn't the night before. I think it was two nights before. Craig called me. He Facetimed me, and uh, he was like, "Ah, oh, dude." He's like, "Check this out," you know. And so you know, Craig lives kitty corner from Wrigley Field, and so he had uh-huh. put like a, a TV monitor in his bay window, like the one that goes out onto the street. He had the game going. It was like he pivoted the phone around. There's like 30 people standing in his front lawn, just like drinking <laughs> beers, watching the TV. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then they lost that night. So then I kind of started thinking about, for me, it was like, obviously, I wanted the Cubs to win. I, I mean, I thought that they could do it. You know, I wanted them to do it. But then I started thinking about, God, what if they lose? You know, did that ever cross your mind? I mean, were you a changed man after thinking that once or twice over the course of the World Series? Definitely. Definitely. I thought about it. If they lose, I'm like, I'll be so proud that they got to the World Series. I'll be so happy. You know, I won't be one of those people that, that I hate that are like, oh, yeah, they, they didn't win the World Series, so the whole the whole season is, the, is a failure. You know, it's like I know some people that feel that way. And, you know, I was so glad that it did play out that they did win. But, you know, in, in essence, I was prepared for them to lose. And, you know, if they would have lost that last game, you know, they would have lost it to to a Cleveland team that I, I got to tell you, man, I got a lot of respect for uh, Terry Francona and, and the Cleveland Indians. I mean, they played their freaking hearts out. And, you know, we just plain got to them in the end. We just plain got to them in the end. They're pitching. Figured them out. They- the same thing that happened to them in game seven happened to us. Only fortunately it happened to us late in the game. So where is, you can look at that tie as what I did at the time, which was this sort of, thank God for the rain delay is all I have to say. Cause I guarantee you that reset that entire game for everybody. Forget about just the fans. Fans had time to stew in a little bit. The Cubs fans. Yeah, they're stewing, but they had time to calm themselves down. Whereas yeah. the Indians fans got all hyped up and then had to sit there for 20 minutes and wait for this game to start again. Yeah. Yep. I feel like their energy got kind of dissipated and the players' energy gets a little dissipated. Uh, so by no means did I panic that it was that it was a lost cause. I think the kind of thing that did them in in that game, which was that Kluber was gassed, Miller was gassed, Chapman was gassed, and all three of them had bad days. Yeah. It's just I mean, there was you run into limitations on your personnel at some point. Francona had limitations on his personnel. He knew it going into the series. He had to ride his horses and hope that he could do in the World Series what he did in the in the ALCS and the ALDS and just wipe people out before they got a chance to get up off the mat. Didn't quite work out for him this time, but you know, kudos to the job he did. Um, I have no hatred. I don't want to see LeBron flexing again, though. Again, we we'll play somebody else next time. <laughs> yeah, that was. I, I'm sure he felt stupid later. It would have been cool if they won, but they didn't. When he did that man, I was I was intimidated, man. I kept looking at the screen. And I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. 
I was so I was so glad for the rain delay as well. I mean, that, now pinch hitting for the Indians, LeBron James, <laughs> the King. So so let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of uh, Madden's questionable managing decisions. Um, again, I'm really glad that they won because if if they didn't. I think that would be a topic, and I'm not sure if it really needs to be a topic. What's you guys' thoughts on that? I don't think it does any good to dwell on it. Um, I think it's fairly obvious what happened, and it was obvious to everybody that was watching Game 6 going, why the hell is Aroldis Chapman in this game? Yeah. Knowing you're forcing a Game 7, if you don't have faith in a bullpen to protect that big of a lead as they had in game six, I'm sorry. What are you going to do in, in game seven when Chapman falters because of his overuse? I, I could kind of see it coming. Like honestly, yeah. and two things happened in that game that made me go, okay, I don't get this because not just because it's happening and I disagree with it, but because Joe Madden has specifically said in the past that he would not do the two things that he did or maybe the one thing that he did. And then that was the Lester thing. He specifically said he wasn't going to bring Lester into a game with uh, runners on base. He was going to give him a clean inning. And what does he do? Uh, the first, first guy gets on in that inning against Hendricks. He walks a guy immediately. Here comes, here comes Lester. And I'm thinking, you just did the opposite of what you said you were going to do that, that to me, I mean, I could disagree with your decision if you never said a word about that kind of thing happening, Exactly. just kind of sit there and go, Oh, that's kind of unorthodox, but Oh, well, I guess he has a, a reason for this, but I was just going, why you said you would never do this. And now you're doing it. And then when he went to, to Chapman, same situation coming into a, a hot situation, which he doesn't like doing. He's gassed already, so he's probably even more adrenalized and trying to throw his stuff harder, which just makes it worse. Uh, and you saw, I mean, the pitch that the pitch that Rajay Davis got, that wasn't a bad pitch. No, Honestly, not- that, I don't put that on Chapman at all. He golfed a low inside. You know, that was, that was not an easy pitch to get to. So it's not like he left stuff up, but he was walking guys ahead of time. So it just, you know, I, I looking back on it, yeah, I was I was kind of upset at the time uh, because I had a feeling that it would overcome the team, much as Dusty Baker uh, let his game get away from him in 2003. I felt like, God, he's going to let this one get away because it's something that he did, and he's going to be too stubborn to, to admit his mistake. It turned out not to be that way. He went with the guys he trusted, which was Edwards and Montgomery in the ninth. I would have liked to have seen that sequence without Chapman in there because it probably would have been a lot easier, but it is what it is. Yeah. We get to enjoy the, we get to enjoy the victory nonetheless. That's true. And it, hey, you know, go ahead, Jim. No, go ahead. I'll let you finish your thought. Hendricks, what? I was just going to say, and that Hendricks dude is the assassin. Is that, that's what you were calling him, the assassin. <laughs> yeah. He was cruising too. That's the part that yeah. vexed me the most. It's like, he, he just walked a guy. He he might screw. He might wipe the guy off the bases next with a double play or a pickoff or something. You don't know what's about to happen. And the, uh, he hadn't shown me anything that showed he was losing his command. He was probably trying to get cute with that guy. He was actually getting better, it seemed, because he had the yeah, shaky, that way. shaky first inning or two. Yeah, and he was pitching to contact ground balls. 
swinging yeah. strikes at, at bad stuff. That's a, that's what you want. You're not you're not there to blow guys away. It's Kyle Hendricks. He was pitching fine. Uh, yeah, he was great. He was great. I think that Madden uh, actually managed a little bit uh, under pressure. He let the pressure get to him, and I think he managed a little bit uh, afraid of the last two games. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do, I think he feels like he was probably forced into that situation. I think that uh, it'll probably come out, uh, you know, probably sooner rather than later that Rondone was probably hurt a lot more than anybody let on. Um, I, I think he's probably hurt more than we know. Um, he might, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he uh, faces some type of surgery or if he's out for a while next year. Um, because I mean, Madden just did not go to him at all, which was very odd. Um, and then, you know, I think he got to the point where he was managing kind of uh, from a position where he was a position rather where he was afraid. So I think that's why he went old school and he's like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go old school. You know, back in the old days, you know, these guys would go out there and they'd pitch, you know, way more pitches than, than Chapman did in those three games, you know, and they would come out just fine. So I think he decided he was going to put it all on the horses and he was just going to let it ride. And I, I think that showed actually on Madden's face and his reactions after they won it. Because I, I think actually, you know, Hayward, you know, having that meeting and pulling everybody together, you know, uh, I think that, you know, really, I think that saved Madden's ass. Honestly, I do. I mean, and I think it was all meant to be, you know, so, you know, it, it, it's all part of the story. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny, Jim, is like, like the entire, like all three series, especially towards the end there, I kept saying, I just want Hayward to get a hold of one. It's like, he's such a good guy, you know, and he's struggling so bad. It's like, I wanted him to have a big moment, you know, and it's like, it never happened. But then you hear about the speech, you know, during the rain delay. And I'm like, you know, there, that was his moment, you know? So that makes me feel a little bit better. And especially the fact that people like that, it was a story, right? I mean, it became a thing, which again, you know, he must be a really cool guy. They must really respect him in that clubhouse. I had no idea. He's a heck of a guy. He's a heck of a guy, man. Top, top notch character. You know, and it's funny, you know, because Hayward also, he would have scored the go-ahead run if Javi Baez, a, a play that he a bunt, he gets down any other time during the year, if he just gets that bunt down in the eighth, or pardon me, in the in the ninth inning for the Cubs in the top of the ninth, they, they go ahead. They go ahead seven to six, and Hayward scores after the great base running that he did. Stealing second base, the ball goes into center field, he ends up at third. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, there was only one out. I mean, come on. I mean... <laughs> All they needed was that. All he needed to do was get that bunt down or get a ball up in the air deep, and Hayward's going to score. He's going to easily get in on a sacrifice, and he couldn't get that bunt down, you know. So, I think Hayward was probably well. I, you could see it on Hayward's face. He was juiced at that point. You could see that he was riled up, and he was like, "We're going to win this thing," you know. <laughs> nah, that, that, oh, that made it worth it right there. So, what's up with this dick bump thing? Oh, I know. What's what, what the, they've been doing that all year. It's kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> I old crotch bump they do after uh, after they hit a home run. Yeah, I didn't notice that until the World Series, and I saw it once, and I was like, I didn't want really to say nothing. I was like, maybe I didn't see that, <laughs> but then now it's all it's, over the place. Yeah, it's an honor of. Do you remember when the the 
who was Dick Pole, wasn't, wasn't he the bench coach? Yeah. Uh, for the Cubs back then. It was probably in honor of Dick Pole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Dick Pole crash bump. Oh, my God. Sponsored by Dick Pole. Let's get Dick Pole a ring. Let's get Dick Pole a World Series ring. That was nice to get Henry Blanco a ring on the subject of getting other Cubs rings. He got a ring? A ring? Yep, because he's part of the organization that, uh, yeah. that what, special instructor or whatever. Yeah, he's he's out there on the field with all the guys celebrating, and they he was on, he was introduced at the rally, all the coaches and instructors or whatever. Hank White. Oh my gosh. No. So what what are we gonna expect? I mean, so going back to um, Hendricks, what do they got him locked up till? What's his? Is he locked into? Yeah, he's good for another couple of years, I believe. Nice. What's Lester? Is he going to stick around? Oh, yeah, he's signed through 2020. So pretty much everybody's locked down except for, what, Fowler? Yep, Fowler's a free agent. Cahill's a free agent. Uh, they announced today, matter of fact, just within probably the last two hours, uh, they, they declined uh, their option for next year on Hamill. So Hamill's a free agent. Rossi retired. Rossi retired. Rossi retired. Yep. So he'll be gone. Um, who knows if they'll hold on to Coglin or Listella or, you know, who? Um, they might have better options uh, in the minor leagues already uh, down there. So, um, you know, it, it would suck if Fowler left, but it would it would definitely clear the way for Almora, who is just an absolute budding superstar. Um, and you, you don't lose anything. As a matter of fact, I think you probably gain something as far as defense uh, with Elmore in center field and, and Hayward and right, which you're going to need to have if you're going to have uh, Schwarber in left field on a regular basis. Dude, that whole Schwarber thing was crazy. Who would have known he would have came back when he – was it the first or the second game of the season when he got hurt? Third. It's the third. Yep. Third game of the year. Because they started out uh, in uh, Anaheim. They played a quick two-game series with the Angels. And uh, then uh, they went to Arizona. And in the first game in Arizona, that's where he ran into him and Fowler, ran into each other going after the ball. Dude, he jumped right in. No questions asked. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. The guy hadn't seen, you know, live Major League pitching in six months. And he steps in and he hits four, what four twelve I think in the World Series. That's insane. The swing is so natural; it's a thing of beauty. The guy, the guy, he has a he has a great eye. He has great pitch recognition, and then on top of it, he can he can hit the ball to all fields. And then, and plus, he recognizes situations. What is that, that noise? <laughs> this kid's outside <laughs> getting murdered. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> I was I was about to have to sign off. There. I don't know what kind of craziness is happening here? What's oh that's going on over gosh. here? Oh my god! Good lord! Yeah, they're kind of crazy. I kind of lost my train of thought. Oh, um, what I was saying about uh, Schwarber, right? Yeah. You know, and he has just that hit that he got that ignited the rally in the in the top of the tenth that won it for the Cubs. When he got that hit to, to right field, he hit that against the shift. They had him played perfectly. And when you go back and you watch that play, 
they had the second baseman. Um, I don't even can't recall Kluber. They had him playing. He was almost three quarters of the way out in right field for goodness sake. And that ball still got by him. I mean, that was an, to place that ball and hit it right there the way that he did. I mean, that was, that was an incredible piece of hitting. Incredible. Nah, they, I mean, it was like when they were hot, they were hot. When they were cold, they were cold, man. It was like, I was always happy when they brought in a reliever when they were, cold because it seems like it just kind of reset things in their brain but it was it was a rough couple games there for for a minute <laughs> yeah but in the, at the same time i i said it before the game seven started that i'd rather be the team that came back from 3-1 down in game seven than the team that gave up a 3-1 lead in game seven. Oh, for sure because the team in three i don't care you call it pressure or whatever you want it's in the back of your mind that you fucked up and let it two chances to put it away, slip by you. Yeah. And then you start, then you start getting doubt. That's what happened in 2003 with the Cubs. By the time they got to game seven, they had a perfectly good chance of winning that game. They carry wood going doubt yep. was still hanging around from the eighth inning of game six. So that rain delay kind of was a night. It was, that was a nice little reset where they could just, because I'm sure doubt crept into that, dugout and i think jason hayward knew it and he had seen it from the other dugout before he'd seen you know he's on the other side he's seen the cubs uh lose before he's with atlanta when he's with st louis and he's saying you're you're too good fuck this the hell with the health losing man i wish i could have heard his little speech man (laughs) that would have been epic i'm sure so Jim, yeah. Jim, Jim. What? So when they won, what right did out. what did you do? I ripped my shirt off. <laughs> I ripped my shirt off, and I went up and I motorboated the TV screen. <laughs> I believe this. I know. I'm like, okay. Then what happened? No, I'm just kidding. I- I, I actually, I, I, I had been, you know, in a paralyzed position on the floor in between the couch and the, and the, uh, and the uh, coffee table in front of me. Um, I pushed the coffee table up. The rug was crumpled up against the thing. Um, and I actually, I looked up and, uh, and just looked towards the sky and just kind of, I actually said, thank you. And, uh, and then I just kind of like put my head down and I'm like, oh my God, it just actually happened. The Cubs won the World Series. And then after that, I just—I think I stared at the TV for about an hour afterwards, <laughs> not able to say much. <laughs> Man, how about you, Mike? Um, well, my, it was pretty low-key. The first 30 seconds were a lot of yelling and, you know, sort of general running about. <laughs> not, not shirtless. No underwear was made an appearance. Pretty much pretty, pretty dignified. Uh, but then I just went outside to have a smoke and listened to all the fireworks going off and I brought, I brought my little radio out with me. So I, or my, the radio app with me so I could listen to uh, like any post game stuff, the news conference or whatever. I knew it wasn't going to be a while because they, they're going to be pouring champagne on each other. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get away from the TV. I was in, I felt like I was glued to that room for the whole night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I was just like, 
I can't believe it. But I, like I said earlier, I was just really, really happy for Chicago, for all my friends. But it was damn good baseball, man. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, and the cool thing was is, you know, I had been traveling like crazy. And so pretty much all of the playoff games I watched on the road. And But I was able to watch pretty much, well, almost all of the World Series. Well, except the first two games. Um at home so it was kind of nice you know Kira's walking by she's like Cubs lose yet Cubs <laughs> you know just listening to her and her her being Kira but it was amazing so I sat and I watched probably like an hour and a half after that like all the the stuff that takes place after the World Series yeah how did you getting called a sellout oh when when the, when the I'm not gonna I never really care about what people think about me or what they say so I'm not gonna start now yeah, with yeah, Facebook yeah, 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 <laughs> especially on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> but it was but yeah no I'm glad and then I was watching the parade yesterday oh my or uh, was that yesterday it was Friday Friday that was insane man I was looking at that and I was thinking back to uh the White Sox parade, that thing was like five, ten times more people there for that. It's like, what the heck? Nuts. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to sell out. Um, <laughs> trying to think of a situation. Yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you, it's, this, this is a more welcoming family over here. Yeah. Well, you know, we all have our teams. You know, but I think at the end of the day, you know, all of us have been, you know, we've yeah, done... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think I know that we all jab each other every once in a while, but for the most part, I know Jim, he can appreciate, you know, some of the White Sox teams and players. He's always wishing for the best for me and, you know, the, the feelings mutual. So, yeah, well, Sox... <laughs> what an incredibly good liar you are, Jim. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, club. Yeah, I mean, it's get, you get the best of both worlds if you're cool enough to accept, like, just being able to cheer for some other team just because, just, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's no. not like you're, you know, dismissing your family. I, I think some people take it way too seriously, Kira. <laughs> I think so, too. I mean, at the end of the day, it's baseball. It's a game. You know, sometimes yep. we act like we're out there playing. We're not, you know. What? But. What was really cool? What was really cool for me was the fact that you know they showed a lot of stories about how you know oh here comes this guy that was at you know Game Six of the World Series at Wrigley Field you know and we're going to give him a ticket and here he comes and he's 85 years old and uh, you know the deal always was you know with with me and my father you know that uh, we would go to see the Cubs play in the World Series at Wrigley Field if they ever did it in both of our lifetimes and we were both here. Unfortunately, we couldn't do that because of my dad's illness. Uh, um, but, you know, I think he was there in spirit because my dad, you know, and it's kind of a cool story because I learned baseball uh, by, you know, listening to White Sox games with my, with my cat. Oh, <laughs> You're messing my story up. <clears throat> I learned, I learned to appreciate baseball and the nuances of it by, <laughs> Jackson, you want to be a part? Of you, you really want to be a part of the show. Give him a give him a kibble or a bit. I, oh, if I if I give him, a, <laughs> this is mine. 
then he'll go crazy. Um, well, come here. Be you got to be quiet so I can tell the story. Come here. Okay, good. So I, I learned baseball from my grandpa. The nuance is that by, you know, listening to uh, White Sox games with him because he was a big White Sox fan uh, on the radio in the backyard. Um, and then, you know, I found out that, you know, in 1945, uh, my grandpa took my dad and one of his friends uh, who were 15 or 16 at the time to the uh, last two games to game six and seven of the 45 World Series, the Cubs versus the Tigers at Wrigley. You know, so it was like I it was it was really cool for me. It kind of, you know, it was it was a neat story family wise. And then also, you know, it was a neat story because it kind of tied you know, things together for me, you know, because I learned it from a White Sox fan and my, my grandpa was just as passionate a fan of the, of the White Sox as I have, have always been for the Cubs, you know, so, you know, and my dad was the one that was always kind of in the middle. So it's kind of a nice generational story in a way. Yeah, I think we, I, I was telling Kira and I also told my dad too, after the World Series, the last baseball game, Major League Baseball game that I went to with my dad and my brother Scott was at Wrigley Field. <laughs> he was... Uh, I remember that day. Yeah, I think he came down. I think he might have... I think he was living in Virginia then, and he was in town visiting from the Navy. He wanted to go see yep. a game. And, like, we always... Whenever we wanted to go see games when we were little, my dad would always take us to the White Sox so it was closer. So dad's like, oh, the Sox are playing. And Scott was like, fuck that. He's like, I want to go... I want to go see the Cubs. I want to go to Wrigley Field. I want to go downtown. So me and my dad were like, all right, let's go. So that was, you know, something that kind of hit home to me too. You know, that's why I'll always have a soft spot for, for the Cubs. And plus, whenever somebody wants to come visit me, they want to go to see a Cubs game. So I've been in a lot of Cubs games, man. <laughs> a lot. Nobody, nobody ever wants to go see the fire. Until you just brought that up. I had forgotten about that day. You remember we, we went there. I took my car, remember? I drove that's that right. day. That's and right. I was all freaking out because we had given it to some guy to park, and I kept yep. looking out the, out the back. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're in the city, man. That's what happens. You give your car to somebody to park it. <laughs> wow, I totally forgot about Remember that? that? So that was the last game. So. That, what a great memory. What a great memory. Yeah, but, you know, and that's the thing, too. It's like I think that there is so much history with the Cubs and the fact that, yeah, I think a lot of people really did have a lot of history um, and moments. And, you know, when you're waiting so long for your team to win, it just makes it that much more sweeter, I think. You know, so I know a lot of people felt that way. You guys did it. You guys don't yeah, be so excited. Waiting for my check. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I had no, I had no hand in this. I, I, I managed to stay alive long enough to see it happen. Yeah, um, but you had some I mean, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, though. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it's not this. I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't really matter. It, it's the kind of thing that I was hoping for most from this. Just not just to see it happen, but it literally overnight has transformed the fan base's mentality. Now it's no longer like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? It's, oh, look at this sweet team we have that just won the World Series and probably will again once or twice. Yeah. Uh, which is an insane place to be considering where the fandom was just a few years ago. But I think 
I think Theo coming here did flip a switch five years ago. There were a lot of people who once they saw somebody with a plan were, were more than willing to wait. So I had given up on the old organization kind of, so I had, I was able to invest more into this generation of, of Cubs management. That makes sense. I think at the outset, so I was able to give them a little more leeway because they looked like they knew what they were doing. And if you go back and listen to Theo's, I don't know if you ever heard the the audio intercut with highlights from the World Series and the NLCS uh, with Jet, um, sorry, Theo Epstein's speech upon being announced as the president of baseball operations uh, no. five years ago. No. And he'll talk about, you know, well, this, we're going to go scout. It relies on the people that scout pitchers that no one's ever heard of or whatever. And then it cuts to a highlight of Kyle Hendricks. Uh, doing something amazing in the World Series. Then it uh, talks about we need to go scout hitters and this and that. And then it cuts to a Wilson Contreras highlight and all these different things uh, just saying basically, here's what he said he was going to do five years ago. Here are the literal fruits of his endeavor. And you all get to enjoy it. Well, when the Bears going to hire him? (laughs) I'll get behind that organization once they... Get rid of everybody. <sighs> yeah, no, don't worry. They're injuring their way to greatness. Yeah, one play at a time. Yep. Just keep replacing them. We'll be all fine. Backups. We'll just create a team of backups. It's sure to do quite well. So here we are. We've made it through 2016 uh, series or season as the world champs. That's, That's a pretty good button. That's a pretty good button on this on the uh, first season. You guys are lucky, man. Congratulations. Thank you. And now I'm, en- I'm enjoying. <laughs> so, is, you think Montero will be back next year? Is he locked in, or is he getting too old, or what? He's not happy. He signed again. It'd be an idiot yep. not to. Anybody be an idiot not to, not to want to play for the Cubs. During the coming years, you're going to see so many guys that want to play for the Cubs. It's going to be crazy. That is crazy. The Cubs are going to continue to make more and more money. I mean, they're not they're not done finishing uh, Wrigley Field with the rehab. They have yet to finish the hotel, right? They have yet to finish that whole complex attached there. Yeah, I, I mean, think that'll be next year. They're finishing that next year. I mean, the brand, they just won the World Series in the most, probably the best baseball game ever. I mean, they said, what, the estimate was 50 million people watched Game 7? That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah, just to think that you'll, once they finish that plaza, you'll be able to, like, go there and you can actually watch games out there in the plaza and the beer gardens and stuff. That whole thing is going to be a moneymaker for them too. Oh, it's going to it's going to be jumping cuz people might not want to pay a premium to get inside the park which it's going to be now. Good luck getting the kind of tickets you could get 5 years ago. But it there's if you expand the experience out to the surrounding area, you can get in at a cheaper price and watch it like you said at a sports bar or maybe <laughs> if they would put some sort of uh street facing screen somewhere where people could gather in the streets and watch it. I think that'd be actually pretty cool and it it kind of 
you know, it creates that carnival atmosphere. Yeah. And Mike, and Mike, did they, I mean, they didn't really have like any major rioting or anything, did they? I mean, I didn't hear of any. No, it was, it was like the typical dumb drunken people things like, you know, somebody got in a fight cause they were too wasted or somebody jumped off a light, light pole because they were wasted and did a trust fall into a sea of people and, you know, or whatever. It's just, it's just general dumb shit. And there were guys, uh, there was one, I think I tweeted about it. The guys were, they had pulled down a utility pole or a light pole or something. I think it was a light pole and they're dragging it along with the live wire, live wires attached. <laughs> oh my God. Good thing it wasn't raining. <laughs> 14 arrests. What's that? 14 minor arrests. Wow. Yeah, so they no cars were turned over. Nobody set anything on fire. People were, it reminds me of the old uh, Dennis Miller line about playing pool with the guy who's uh, drunk versus the guy who's smoking weed. I think they were in the mental capa- uh, capacity of someone smoking weed at that point. You're just, like, happy you're there. Yeah. You don't want to fuck up anything no. unless you're an idiot. And so there's apparently not too many idiots out there. <laughs> You know, was so draining. I mean, it was hard to do anything after that game was over, man. I went to bed. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty easy. I did that too. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. It yeah. really caught up to me. It really caught up to me on Thursday night. I got home and I was sitting watching TV. It was about eight thirty p.m. and I just went, "I'm checking out. I think I'm going to bed at nine o'clock, and that's going to be that." Turned out that was that was a pretty good idea. <laughs> Made Friday that much better. You know what was cool was the uh, the Chicago River when they dyed it blue. That actually looked pretty cool. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah, I'd never seen that before. For them to do that was really really dope too. I mean, and then uh, there's been some pictures I've seen today on Facebook where they're showing uh, how all the skyscrapers are still lit up downtown and they're all you know blue and red and Cubs win and world champs and it's just it's really impressive what they've done there in the city no, they did good they did good all right boys well this is the end to uh the first inaugural season of the red ivy podcast which i think was appropriately named so good job on that boys we got to see some red ivy and some cubs baseball want to take us out jimmy Yes, we'd like to thank everybody for being here with us today. Uh, I'd like to thank my cat, Jackson. Um, without his uh, meows, the, the show would not be the same. Uh, but on a more serious note, um, just, you know, thanks for listening. Uh, and also, you know, thanks uh, to you, Mike, and thanks to you, Mark, uh, for being here with us. Um, just because uh, the season's over, uh, everybody, don't. You know, don't just assume that we're going to go away and there'll be no content. As a matter of fact, there'll probably be more content in the social media realm and, uh, you know, less podcasts. Uh, but periodically, you know, we'll be, you know, updating and, you know, coming on to talk to you uh, from time to time. Uh, but keep an eye on Twitter. Uh, keep an eye on uh, our Facebook page. Keep an eye on Instagram. And then also, you know, the Red Ivy, uh, com as well. Red Ivy Podcast.com. Um, so there'll be a lot of content there. Uh, so uh, thanks again. Uh, thank you guys. And uh, do we have any audio or anything to, to take us out? Or uh, no? that, That'll be post-production. Post, post-production. So 
Uh, let's just uh, cap it off by saying that the Cubs are the World Series champs, everybody. So it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mentioned Chris Bryant's an MVP candidate. Likewise, this next guy is not only an MVP candidate, but he's a team leader. We have seen him become a superstar right before our eyes. Big welcome. He's going to speak. Anthony Rizzo. It happened, baby. It happened. Um, real quick, it's a lot of people that obviously are on this stage, but there's a lot of people that aren't from top to bottom, from the Dominican Republic to Tom Ricketts, everyone in between, all the minor league coaches that have put in the work for this uh, that aren't getting recognized. We thank them. We thank our entire organization, our medical staff, everyone. Um, two guys I want to single out real quick is uh, VJ. Our traveling secretary is is the absolute man. He he's the reason why we can do anything is possible through him. And uh, another guy that I don't think is up here is our strength coach Tim Buss. Um, he he really he keeps us going every day. It's such a grind. And uh, Tim Buss is is every single day coming in and and, and getting us going. As you can see, these guys mean so much to this team that really no one knows about. And uh, all the scouting people, all the directors, thank you. But these two guys mean so much to our team, and they, they don't get credit. And what better way to do it in front of 5 million people? So uh, also, uh, real quick, for for every – I feel I feel like I was here. I was here during the bad times, and I got so much into the culture of the Chicago Cubs that every single person that has worn this jersey – I feel like won the World Series with us today or the other day. Dempster, Carrie Wood, um, Ernie Banks, who who is looking down, smiling so so bright right now. Um, Billy Williams, Ronnie Sano. It's just every single player that's still living too has has been a big reason we're here and a big part of this, and we thank them. And uh, the last guy, well, two more. Uh, the families, the wives, the girlfriends, uh, all the parents that are here, the sacrifice that they make for us uh, all the time is unbelievable. We're, 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 our schedules are so demanding, and uh, without them supporting us, we're not standing here. Uh, and uh, last, lastly, I, before I introduce him, I want to say a few words about him. Uh, the grandpa. He... Uh, Gramps and I sat down a few years ago uh, in an offseason before his last year with Boston. He was a free agent. And we just talked. And uh, I, we have the same agency, and we're talking. And I, and I say to my agent, I go, man, this is exactly what the Chicago Cubs need. He is exactly what we need to bring everything together. And obviously a lot of pieces came through with that, but he taught myself personally how to, how to become a real winner. And... Woo. He's like a, he's like a brother to me. He's taught me how to be 
he's taught me a lot in life, on the field, off the field, how to be a better person. Uh, for I'm forever grateful for him. And uh, he's going out a champion forever. For the rest of his life, you could say the last game he played in, he's a world champion. Uh, let's bring up David Ross. Phantom Sway. We're the counterculture. You just don't know it yet. PhantomSway.com